0: Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright here in Fitzgerald, chat to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama from Wales and beyond to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown With, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. I think this is actually episode 60 of In Lockdown With, so yeah, thank you to everyone who's listened so far and feel free to share on social media and things like that. But today we're doing something a little bit different. My guest, is the wonderful Jonathan Evans. Hi John, how's it going?
1: It's going pretty good actually, all things considered. Uh, and this is my first ever podcast I've been
0: on. Are you feeling nervous So, how are you feeling about it?
1: There's, uh, yeah, there's... There's a bit of butterflies in the stomach, and I'm sure they'll come out in the voice a bit, but
0: uh, how are you n- There's no need to be nervous. Like my, my aim is to relax you as much as possible. Like, So how has like, this period been for you, over since last March?
1: Mm. That, that year really did fly by and take forever at the same time. Mm. Mm. uh it it was challenging but for me it probably wasn't as challenging as most right uh i have uh a few friends that live in the city and some you know in um flat buildings meanwhile i have a house and a garden not to brag Mm. but uh instantly that you have to say, okay, your complaining isn't as big as it is some. And uh, luckily I have lots of reading and uh, watching material and I'm quite a um, internal person usually. So not, not a big com- complaints for me.
0: And I think having that outside space, access to outside space, has been so important for me and so many other people as well. It just has such an effect on my mental health. Like, being able to get out in nature has been so, so important, I think, since last year, Yeah. Hmm.
1: Uh, kind of a weird parallel to draw, but, like, I think of, like, a convenience as, like, a water slide. Okay. It's, it's really easy to go one way, but almost impossible the other. Like, I like we pro- might be old enough, I might be a little older than you, but there was a time of which I lived through where you could not be on the internet and use the phone at I the same time. I remember
0: that, yeah. Yeah, I remember
1: oh, that. oh, yeah. And then, you know what, you can be on the internet and be on the phone mm-hmm. at the same time.
0: Now try going back. Ooh, it's rough. Yeah. But can you imagine going through this period without the internet, without, like, even up until five years ago where I live, I didn't have a reliable internet connection. So I couldn't watch YouTube videos. I wouldn't have been able to record podcasts like I've been doing. Can you imagine what it would have been like without the internet?
1: That's... real really rough that then it would have been uh, climbing up the walls uh, <laughs> uh get, would have gotten weird man <laughs> uh, yeah uh yeah I, I don't think we even had like net well uh me my family my household i don't think we even had like netflix or amazon prime that long ago so no. yeah
0: So, I want to start by asking you the same question that I ask everyone who comes on this podcast. Jonathan Adams, how did you first get interested in theatre?
1: In theatre? I think, really, it, like, going back to the absolute source, uh, it probably happened in just being a kid. And the parents taking you to uh, pantomimes. Well, yeah. pantomimes. And that was I like this. This is fun. And you know, the level of interaction, which probably uh, mm. just uh, keeps you engaged. Uh, I then I don't think I had uh, any specifically bigger interest but i was at uh job seekers uh, one time yeah and the advisor said you know about this place mess up the mess right. no but uh they said you know the is right over there they're looking for people they always do they do things and then uh you know you can probably volunteer and that and i'll contribute to you i was like oh okay and then i went and, yeah, it, um, it, uh, grew exponentially from there.
0: And so you're from Arlington, you're from that area, but you hadn't, you hadn't really heard the mess, mess before that?
1: No, I never did, which is a little weird, because, um, when I first walked into the building, they, uh, had a talk with me, and they actually brought out their laptop and showed a video of, uh, of, like, the Vimeo slash YouTube page. Yeah. And uh, it was from years ago, and the two people there I went to school with. Wow.
0: So, do you think maybe you would have got involved earlier on had you known that they existed? Is this a scenario where maybe most us need to improve their marketing strategy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe I have a. Uh, have bad friends
0: because
1: <laughs> I was friends with one of them, but um, the other one uh, we're, we're better now. We we just didn't go in the same circles. Mm. But <laughs> it was like, why didn't you tell us about this fun you're having here and getting experience?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, what I love about mass, I I've been working mass recently. We just did a project with young people. It's such an mm. open and welcoming environment. It always feels like a safe space to me to be creative, and I think when I've worked in WrestleMess, that's what I wanted to create with the young people as someone going back who'd previously been a participant. like, Did you always feel kind of welcome and included in WrestleMess? Yeah, uh, yes.
1: Yeah, there was always, uh, they were always up for hearing ideas and um, my my tastes and influences. I'm really engaged uh, quickly. I mean, we have, I have like plenty of uh, mainstream tastes as well, mm. but usually um, my tastes are more offbeat and avant garde. Like, uh, for example, I came in like just. Uh, when they were filming the Broken Generation music video and being that I was fresh out of uh, film school right. I was like, yes, I want to be involved in this And
0: So that was uh, a precursor to what became us proclaimed, was it? Say that again? So the Broken Generation music video Was that a precursor to what eventually became as proclaimed?
1: Yes, yes it was. I think, if I remember right, they were planning to use the song, but Mm. uh, that ultimately didn't happen. But it was definitely just, this is our jumping off point. This is basically what the song is about, we want to build the show about.
0: And what was being involved in that project like you? Sorry, I cut you off in your, your prime then, John.
1: <laughs> I just went, so filming the Us Proclaimed uh, music video, uh, you could look back on that, you can see me in it. But uh, pretty much, uh, I think whenever there's a Dutch angle, that meant I was behind the
0: camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'd let you talk about film school. Like I want to touch on that next, if I can. You studied digital film and TV production at Swansea University. So first of all, how did you make the decision to go in the first place? Yes. Uh, so quick. Uh,
1: <coughs> Swansea Metropolitan University. Sorry. Sorry.
0: That's all
1: right. Um, I just. Uh, finish college and I kind of wanted to do more and looked around at options and um as as met, uh, was the fit they seemed to like me the most they seemed to take towards me and when I'd say things they'd know what I was talking about so
0: and <laughs> like what was the experience of studying there? like like what, what kind of skills did the course give you uh
1: there there were uh there were some good lessons and some good skills we did get our hands on a few things and were um we had access to lots of stuff however it it was a three-year course and we were coming to the end of it and it Uh, other people were realizing that uh, we were kind of being shortchanged a lot. There were promises that, you know, uh, other people in the business would come in and have talks with us. Did not happen. And uh, one of our uh, great lecturers, Timmy, who we went to with a lot of complaints, he just came in one day. uh, I was alone in a computer room. He just came right in and said, how much screenwriting have you studied? And I started to think, and then he, you could see what I was thinking, but he said, not yourself, how many lessons have you been taught screenwriting? And I thought, and the answer was one. Wow. So, uh, other much better, more concerned people than me, really raised hell and Mm. um,
0: The last two weeks were a big crash course. Was it something where you kind of didn't realise what you were missing out on until it was flagged up to you kind of thing? You didn't know, you didn't really understand what the quality of the course was compared to what it should have been? Or did you kind of know that you weren't getting the training that you signed up for?
1: I think it was a little bit of both, uh, showing my naivete, but uh, yeah, the only thing that was really flagged up uh, to me that I thought was, you know, we were promised, you know, uh, other people from the industry would come in and talk with us, and what did we get? Two off by memory in the three years. I mean, there were there were there were some great lessons doing that and I've uh, had uh, some great uh, friendships that were made to mm-hmm.
0: great people on the, my course and a few below, but um, yeah, mean, <laughs> for, for were the, racks. It's an investment, isn't it? And you want to get a return on that investment and you want to see what the pathway is for you into a potential route into the industry. And if those pathways don't exist, you wonder what has gone into the construction of these courses and what the desired outcome for these courses is. And you know, how are we meant to train creatives like? Because yes, there's a use to these creative degrees, but only, I would argue, if there are routes and connections built with the industry and opportunities after graduation would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely uh, no point uh, going uh, down a road that leads nowhere and uh, or just being catapulted in the completely wrong direction
0: <laughs> and so like, how difficult was it for you after you graduated, uh,
1: after I graduated, I got a job at Bay Studios, which was okay. um, which was for two days, and was involved tidying up because Da Vinci's Demons had finished, and uh, and we were hired to pack stuff up. So that was two days work and 300 pounds okay not bad yeah and and then there's been a lot of uh, knocking on doors and no responses Mm.
0: that's what i find like you've just got to try everything and email everyone and maybe one in ten of those opportunities will come good but there's a lot in terms of dealing with rejection, so like how have you got a mechanism by which you deal with that? Because it's quite common in the creative industry. Is
1: uh, You kind of have to uh, slog it off or be willing to get a restraining order <laughs> against you let <laughs> you just take it as it was never meant to be. I I did um oh what's it? they they ultimately just uh, wore me down. But I did uh, send an email almost every day to Bad Wolf Studios. Right. Just seeking employment, like the same thing for three months. I thought it would be uh, play out uh, like The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Randy Dufresne and then just went to get more reading material for the library and then he get some yeah Mr. Dufresne here are some books, P.S. please stop sending us letters
0: <laughs> I remember that yeah but like did they did they respond to you? what kind of response did, did you get if any? zero I mean I think Courtesy is one thing that I think is somewhat lacking. With, like, a lot of people have been really nice to me and have been really good to me, and most people, in fact, will respond to emails and will be encouraging even if they can't offer you anything. But there have been one or two occasions where i found that people haven't responded. I think the least you can do is even write an email saying, oh, no, we can't offer you anything this time, but thank you for applying. We'll keep your name in mind if anything comes up. I think, in terms of courtesy, that's the least someone can do. And that's... I know people have got very little time, especially at the moment, but, like, I think that's more encouraging for an emerging artist than just getting no response because then you don't know what you've done wrong and that can be more dispiriting than, yeah, not getting, than than getting a rejection email, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I've uh, I've, uh, had uh, plenty of uh, those and, you know, I'm very sure they are copy and pasted. Hell, maybe, maybe frankly, they're just uh, done by some little little robot uh, in the corner. <laughs> but um, it's, it's I mean, any super large scale industry in some way is has the slightest bit of corruption to it. <laughs> but but. And then, you know, it's, like, certain amount of, uh, if you're dealing with uh, uh, people en masse, there's going to be uh, people fall through the cracks in some way, etc. But it's also, like, you're Bad Wolf Productions. You're you're making his dark materials. You can respond to this email.
0: But on the counterpoint to that is, like, they're a big company. They're working on lots of things. Maybe it's just time or or lack of time. Like if if they get a hundred and fifty emails a day, are they gonna be able to respond to all of them? You know. And I just think I don't know. You just got to keep going, and it can get pretty exhausting. I think mm-hmm. if you're only getting negative or no response, is
1: yeah. It uh. Also, I'll, I'll tell this story. Uh, okay, I won't, uh, I won't name the company because uh, some of my other friends did work uh, for them and uh, had good experiences, I'm sure. But um, there was a company, um, a film company, and this was a disheartening experience where like all my friends, well, not all, a bunch of my friends, uh, leaving third year had a job lined up to go work. Uh, on a film this this was a low-scale uh, film company a low-scale film but uh, um they were t- two of them were going to be the writers and directors and a bunch of others were going to be uh production uh, people in some way mm-hmm. and i was like oh oh great great for them of course uh, and then one of them who was going to be the editor said hey i need a i need a co-editor anybody up for the job mm-hmm. and i said I'll be up for the job, please. And he said, sure. It's like, great. Cool. Uh, and I made a mistake on, uh, said, uh, person who represented that, uh, company, uh, was at, and who was a, um, a, lecturer, not that he, he was one of the guest people who came in for our crash course. that so we got to know about. Okay. And he attended our, uh, final year screening of all our films. And I guess I didn't sell myself too well, and I uh, did admit uh, that uh, I had only recently gone to grips with the Domi premiere and time went on and I messaged the editor and I said, Hey, I'm meant to be the co-editor, right? What's going on? Ah, yeah x uh,
0: said uh uh, they like someone more experienced it's going to be someone else i guess that kind of tells you i'm putting words in your mouth here but fake it till you make it i think (laughs) being positive about yourself and saying i can do this i can do this these are the skills that i've got comes across a lot better than going oh well I can do this, but I can't do this kind of thing. It's so much better if you promote yourself in a positive way. Um, And that's going to come across better to the people you want to work with. I'm going to move on slightly, John, because I want to ask you what your future creative ambitions are.
1: Are there? Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, it's uh, I. I did have a play in the works for a while, but uh, upon reassessment, I think this might work better as a movie. Though uh, it's okay. such a strange, weird thing. That I don't think it'll ever get made. Um, I did uh, God I remember walking into up and saying this for the first time but uh, getting bogged down with other things mm-hmm. but uh, talking about an adaption of Slaughterhouse-Five the Bonagate yes. novel
0: You told me about this so have yeah. you done much work on that
1: No not not for a while and uh, one would one would think that uh, lockdown would be uh, the ideal time but uh I found it's quite stifling myself, mm. with uh, just the house and the family in it, because there's not a work room,
0: right? And it, it,
1: yeah, which I kind of need, I kind of need a room where it's just work, and I don't have that, uh, so it's... Mm. I,
0: I think, yeah, it can be really difficult to get the motivation to write. And for me yeah. personally, I'm, uh, different projects. Like I've got three or four things at the moment. I'm tending to write the things where the deadlines are fed away. That's what I need to yeah. be doing is working the things that I do in three weeks' time. But like, yeah, it's just that environment of being like closed in. Yeah, I don't know, it works for some people. But some days it can be really challenging. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you hear about
1: uh, all kinds of different writers and it's usually a case of whatever works for them. Stanley, the Marvel Comics writer, he worked very well writing from home. Mm. A bunch of people don't. Do you... Uh, I'm... I'm I remember listening to an interview with Vince Gilligan, the creator and uh, showrunner of Breaking Bad. Okay. And he wrote a bunch of episodes on the X-Files, but uh, he was, you know, that show ended, and he wrote some stuff, uh, but uh, not a lot, and as by his own admission, hes uh, I think it was an interview with him and Charlie Brooker. Okay. He said, like, Ah, I need the
0: deadline, otherwise I'm just a lazy writer. I feel the same with that. Like, if you... I had and we of death Evans director around when at the moment, when you play? playing part of the young writers scripts that we have got, and he's like, oh, just send me a draft whenever. I'm like, no, I need the deadline. Tell me when you want me to do it by, and I'll have it done. Otherwise it won't work, you know. Otherwise, you know... It, just won't get done for me mm. what would you say like I've spoken to a lot of writers on this podcast um, about their process and that's one of the things that's been really interesting for me what would you say your process is as a writer have you got one
1: uh, yeah Um. well uh, I've done a lot of movie reviews and mm. uh, uh, I don't do that thing of when I write reviews I don't do that thing of like editing effects uh, acting and mm. then colon then talk about that it's much more free for from uh, reading other um, professional uh, film critics like Roger Ebert so uh, it's usually just uh, write out things I want to mention in those and then ultimately end at a star rating. and um, yeah uh, with other things um, it's just uh, what what hooks me and what doesn't uh, go mm-hmm. away slash. What's something I want to talk about? Because I think usually um, most really good stories have a core. I agree. To be boiled yeah. Boiled down to simple things.
0: So definitely, and whether those are themes or whether that comes from character, for me, I think all good story comes from character. If the characters aren't believable, if they aren't rich in terms of content, then the story won't succeed. I think character is the most important element of story for me. That might be just for me, from my perspective as a writer. But that's mm. where I always kind of start from. But yeah. I think it's really interesting that different people have different processes, you know? Yeah. I,
1: uh, I did uh, write this up and post it on Facebook once, but I said There are three elements to any story, excuse me, (coughs) and that's character, theme, and plot. Yeah. Myself, um, uh, character and theme are the the big things I'm most Mm. interested in, and plot, plot less so, not that it's not Uh, important, obviously, but it's Mm. the thing, usually it's the thing I
0: forget about uh, uh, the most. It's a thing of, like, you do drop the ball a bit. Um, Sometimes with one of those elements, I'm going to stick a neat little segue in here, I want to ask you about the um, short film that I watched literally (laughs) before we started recording this. That's how professional I am. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the level of my podcast hosting research. So yes, I want you all at home to feel that you are getting your money's worth. It's free, you get what you pay for. It was called Happy Birthday. Um, I really enjoyed it, I really enjoyed the tone of it. So what was the process of making that? Short film?
1: I made that uh, film for a friend who uh, attended Mass of the Mess. And she was going through, about to go through a significant birthday. uh, I think it was 17. And I think I just saw on Facebook her birthday was coming up, and I just suddenly got an idea for this and i think the big things about it were um how time gets uh, or can get a, a bit weird and overlapping mm. as well as the quote time is the fire in which we burn
0: Ooh, that's so
1: a... yeah so those of you that ha- haven't seen it uh, um, it opens on a not very subtle at all, um, channeling, shall we say, <sighs> of Twin Peaks, with the red curtains, which, uh, sway much like flames, but they don't part, they just, uh, fade away. Oh, so you, so it's also much like theatre, it starts and ends with curtains. Mm. And, uh, I have... I fade in, uh, but then time is a little weird because it's reversed. What I'm actually saying in that bit is I'm saying let's rock. <laughs> but in case you were wondering.
0: Okay. Like I'm I, uh, I, I, like, did you always want to be in it yourself, or did you think about having an actor do it, or what uh, kind of?
1: That that was necessity. <laughs> Right. I was, this originally just uh went up on the, the Facebook
0: page so I, wasn't. I, <laughs> I, I, I think I think you could do more. I think you could go <laughs> <first>. I, <sighs> Yeah, I, I could maybe of course, but uh <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um so then and then there were other things like um things fade in and out like a candle. And a wind-up toy, which, uh, is actually, <laughs> actually she does have a connection to, but, uh, also is something that's temporary and is connected to youth, as well as a watch, uh, flashes in there. Again, mm. about time. Um, so
0: you've got yeah. all these kind of symbolistic things that appear throughout. Yeah. That's really interesting. Really cool. Um... And, I, I'm going to move on. sorry, because we're already yeah. out of time. <laughs> um, so you, you've you been involved with Get The Chance for, for a while. Like, we had, I had Guy O'Donnell on podcast a little while ago. So uh, what's it been like being involved with Get The Chance and what opportunities have they given you? Yeah. You know?
1: Uh, well, well, Guy's great, uh, first of all. Hi, Guy.
0: Uh, Hi, Guy. Guy, <laughs> Guy, when I put new the episode there, every week he shares it on his face. He's like, quality. Guy is quality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Guy's uh, truly one of the
1: good ones. Um, I think somehow my, uh, movie reviewing... Um, was known by Mass Up and they said, "Well, you could, uh, hey, you could be a part of get the chance with Guy. What do you think of that?" Uh, and just put me in contact uh, with Guy, and he got back pretty quick and said, "Hey, I like your blog. Sure, and yeah, yeah this is how we work." Yeah. And the only really deal was that um, that get the chance. Get the written review first and for a week. Okay. Which sounds totally fair to me. That sounds yeah good. Um, and I th- I think the first one was a good one. The first one was Man of Steel. Right. Which I think that movie kept me up all night, just
0: <sighs> grappling with
1: it in my head, just wanting to <laughs> write it down, just. That thing.
0: And, like, uh, where did this kind of inspiration come from or this want to review things come from? Was it just a fun thing to do, or did you kind of feel, no, I need to write this down, this is something I need to write? Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It's it's like an um, extrapolation or a channeling of basically just having something to say. Right. I, I watch... Uh, I watch a movie, or, or I well, I experience uh, something, but um, and it used up a certain amount of my time, and hopefully gave me something back. But um, and I have something to say about that, and I have uh, more things to say about movies and a higher understanding of movies uh, than any other art form. Mm-hmm. So it came pretty naturally to me. Just hold on, why don't you just uh, put this in? Have you seen the movie? Uh, Mank on Netflix yet
0: no but I'm heard it really gets like that's about the the artist isn't it
1: yeah it's uh, it's about the guy who the co-writer who wrote the first
0: draft of Citizen Kane right and yeah and there's a bit
1: where he's walking uh, down a hallway with uh, like uh, an executive producer of uh, MGM or somewhere but there's a bit uh, where, the, where the guy says, We charge for our product uh, product like anybody else. Uh, the only difference is our c- customers leave with nothing more than a memory.
0: That is powerful. Yeah. And like, in terms of, do you feel like you've improved? Your reviews have improved since you've been doing them and has... Has Guy been like a mentoring figure to you? Has he given you support to improve your views over the time that you've been doing them? I don't think I've ever gotten
1: um, any kind of constructive criticism from it. I guess that just might uh, mean they're um, competent enough. (laughs) Um, one time though, I kind of arbitrarily wrote an article myself. No one asked for it, but yeah. it, it was about the current, uh, state of, uh, the DC movies and their take on heroism. Okay. And I, uh, and in like the mid nineties, a book called Kingdom Come came out, which was about the state of heroism then. Which had basically uh, reached a very cynical point, uh, and the heroes weren't really heroes. Right. And I thought, weirdly enough, that's kind of where we are now. Superman's snapping someone's neck, and you've got uh, uh, this, the suicide squad, which revels in the fact that these aren't heroes. And so I kind of wanted to talk about that, and uh, I said, but I submitted, say, hey, guy, I'm writing this. Would you be interested in this? And he said, absolutely. Right. And there was actually one other time when I wrote the review for American Assassin, which is an awful, hateful movie, by the way. But um, I think it was uh, on the midst, it came off the cusp of a recent uh, mass shooting. So he just
0: said, I'm going to hold off on publishing this with you. Oh, OK. Yeah, I guess you have got to be wary of the context, the political context and, and the what's going on in the news. like. And sometimes you can't help that, you know, you do know what's coming. So I can see why that would have been challenging, perhaps. We're going to talk now about some of your, just for you, come to the end, time is flying, John. We're going <laughs> to spend some time talking about your kind of favourite film, TV and theatre productions that mm. you've seen over the last few years. So, which one do you want to talk about first? I'm going to have you lead this. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, what about, uh, how about Suspiria
1: for, for the first one? Tell, well.
0: tell me about Suspiria. <laughs> uh,
1: Sus- Suspiria, this might have been a bad choice, but Suspiria doesn't hold up so well in just describing it, uh, but that's what makes it so good as a movie. It's, it came out in 1977, directed and co-written by Dario Argento. Right. And And it's pretty much the way you would uh, film a fairy tale. But also kind of put into semi-modern setting. It's filmed in beautiful technicolor with lush, beautiful lighting and a score. And it's about Mm. a school and dancing and witches and basically makes no sense, but it is a, an experience of a movie.
0: And is it just purely the visuals of it? Or is there something to do with the storytelling that you really enjoy as well? Oh. Hmm. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: I, th- I think probably the sights and the sounds, it's there is a storytelling elements but it's not the thing you most closely grapple on to it as I said it does operate on fairy tale logic where wall building is not a priority
0: no and does it like um take advantage of that fairy tale narrative and kind of stretch what that kind of genre gives it
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh, very much uh, um, uh, in the spirit of uh, Grimm's uh, fairy right. tale of expressionism and movement and sounds and just um, yeah, again just uh, bare bones in terms of that, but uh, strikes uh, to like a decor.
0: I'm going to uh, give that a watch after, Uh, there's so much to watch John, it's uh, it's difficult to find good, like you've got really luck, even though there's so much, Uh, now you are one of the very very lucky people who got to see Hamilton live live Uh. for lockdown, so tell me about that, like I, from what I know about you You were a fan before you saw it So you mm-hmm. listened to the album What were yeah. your expectations going in And were they met? Uh,
1: I was expecting it to fucking slap As the kids <laughs> say <laughs> uh, But I already knew the songs were going to do that uh, uh, But there is, of course, uh, but it's it's a new cast, uh, not the yeah. uh, American original cast uh, from the album. So I was expecting something a little different, as you should uh, going to see live. Otherwise, you could just turn your speakers up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I,
1: uh, I, I don't know what my expectations were exactly, but uh, um, I. Of course, fell in love with the choreography and how things were visualized. I don't think I uh, even knew that this was a thing, but they had a revolving
0: stage. Oh, I love it when they do that. That, that yeah. like the day at the national, like and that's I'm, I can't wait to see Hamilton <laughs> when, when yeah. there's lockdown.
1: It's it's actually a two circles so it's a right. big circle but
0: then there's like two circles that can go different ways within it that's cool so like yeah so it wasn't Lynn manuel and it wasn't Leslie Odom Jr in it what did you mm. think of the British performers who took those roles
1: Good, they uh, sung them well, they you know, they had their marks. Uh, the uh, the guy who played uh, King George uh, added some uh, hilarious like shoulder movements uh, oh. to it, but uh, uh he's a, he has to be locked down uh, though, uh, because you know, he's wig, crown, and the cloak, uh, so it doesn't lend itself well to choreography.
0: Can you imagine how hot it is under that car? costume good job he's only on for a small small part of the play yeah.
1: luckily he doesn't have to move that much but uh, yeah some of them with all those coats and things
0: and like are there any productions that you're really looking forward to seeing when this period hopefully comes to an end <laughs>
1: There, there is one, but it's an appropriately uh, very, <laughs> very niche, strange one. Go on. Okay, so this is a <laughs> long-winded answer, but uh, in uh, 1997, a show called Revolutionary Girl Utena came out. Oh, okay. Which is a Japanese anime. And it was made by a man, uh, well, actually part of a a group, it was a group effort, but uh, the director of that was a man named Kunihiko Ikuhara, who previously uh, hit it pretty big because he took over directing Sailor Moon. And uh, he has a huge theatre influence. Right. And he brings a lot of that avant-garde beat uh, theatre to his... Anime works. And Utna um a few years ago celebrated its 20th anniversary, and it was given a stage play that covers the first arc of the show. A few right. years later it was given a second, which covers the second arc. And there is a third and final arc, which um I don't think the theatre has any kind of like officially announced it so maybe it won't even happen but uh,
0: hmm.
1: <laughs> imagining that just uh, wow. I get everything what I want and I'd love how, to go to Japan and catch it.
0: How does that translate to the stage show? How? How do you How do you even adapt that? <laughs> Is what I'm uh, wondering. Yeah, I don't
1: You know, I think they did a good job and they uh, decided to uh, make it a musical because the show is 39 episodes. Right. And it's really simple, but um, it's a very episodic plot. Very much so each plot focuses on a character, etc. So, um, but uh, they do things uh, through using music and um, switching a few things out, which I thought uh, they did a good job. So if they do the apocalypse arc, off I go to Japan, maybe?
0: <laughs> well, I really hope that you get to Japan, John, when this or ends. But the last question I'm going to ask you before I let you go off into the world and get on with the rest of your day is, what advice would you give someone who's just starting out in the industry?
1: I give two. Yeah, go on. This is the first one's a little, um, a little more down the road. uh, But uh, I remember hearing Brian De Palma say this in actually his uh, film De Palma, and that's he just says nobody's career goes to plan. Mm. So it's just one thing is denied, you get another opportunity might be a hit, might not be, you develop one thing and see if they let you do that, etc. So, yeah. and that, you know, applies to everything, just no career goes to plan.
0: Oh, definitely. And I think you yeah. can, you can plan things, but let you go open to the fact that yeah. things might go down a different path and that's fine, I think, especially creatively.
1: Hmm. And uh, the other one is uh, act- actually what uh, coaches tell their teams <laughs> before a game, and that's just leave it all on the field. Mm. Just everything that uh, you've got, uh, your experience, and your creativity. Just uh, go in with us uh, with all you've got.
0: Thank you, been For talking to you. Thanks for. Taking wait. the time, crown
1: Thank you, but wait, hold on. Uh, special bonus question that I have for us, really. Go on,
0: go on, go on, go on.
1: Okay, so Kieran and <laughs> me, I'll answer too. You have a TARDIS. Yes. You can, you can now catch any production anywhere. What do you watch?
0: I am going back to the 16th century, I'm going to London, I'm going to the Globe Theatre and I'm going to see the opening night of Hamlet, the world premiere of Hamlet. It might be smelly and stink of plague and feces, but I bet it would be amazing. What, What about you?
1: Uh, we're in a similar boat, but, uh, I don't think this is a big surprise to anyone that knows me, but, um, I'd go back to the 1930s New York, and I'd catch, I'm not even that picky, I'd catch a Mercury Theatre production of something Shakespeare.
0: Oh. Wells' Orson
1: Theatre Company yeah. in the 1930s. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, that's good. That, that, e- think, that era of Shakespeare, because in America you're in Orson Welles and you have Paul Robeson. So well. uh, that era of classic things, people forget how good that was.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big Orson Wells fan. Uh, you know, here's where we actually do differ. You know, I think I'd catch a production like th- three or four shows in from opening. Because I think they did be
0: true, even better. True, you
1: know they're even more
0: locked in. But like, ugh, what I'm thinking is like the opening night of Hamlet, like the first time it was ever performed. To know there would be something. Yeah, yeah.
1: This is, but this is uh, one thing of. Um, I remember Charlie Kaufman, the uh, playwright and film yeah. writer director. He said, uh, "Movies are dead. Plays are alive."
0: Mm, that, what that it. means
1: is, obviously, when you go see a play, it's, you know, living people currently living, and then, obviously, a film doesn't change, you change. Yeah.
0: But play is different every single night. Every yeah. single night, you get a different experience, a unique yeah. experience.
1: What yeah, but it's just, uh, uh, you know, you, you see a film, uh, and it's like, I was there opening night, same film,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Play, play. I caught, I caught the third showing. The first, the uh,
0: 40th. I, I, I know some people go for a long time. I, always different. And you talk to someone, and they have a completely different experience to you, and you've seen the same show. That's the magic of theatre. I think I speak to both of us when I say I can't wait for theatres to reopen. Hopefully, later this year. But it's been wonderful having you on. Thank you so much for giving up your time. But I think that's about it from this episode of Lockdown With. On the next episode of In Lockdown With, my guest will be the actor Sharon Morgan. She's appeared frequently in Publicum and lots of Welsh language production for the Theatre Canada come in Sherman and is very experienced over a fifty plus year career and I'm very excited about interviewing her. But for now, it's bye from John. Hello everybody, thank
1: you.
0: And it's bye from me. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.